This week's episode of Aussie Takeout is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 713 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 18th of February, 2021. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tomkinson. Huh? <laughs> hey, mate. How you doing? How you doing? You, you might have leave that looked at. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Don't say that. We'll be booted off Facebook. <laughs> well, Australia's already booted <laughs> off Facebook. What are you talking about? That's what the whole damn show's going to be about. <clears throat> I think I'm good. It's all been happening, eh? Yeah. Well, I've been busy wasting all my money. I bought an ant miner to mine Bitcoin. Then we discovered that wasn't a great way of doing it. Never a great way, no. And then um, I got a 3070 NVIDIA graphics card to do some mining and then found out that my 650-watt power supply can't handle a 3070 and a 1070 Ti at the same time, can it? Nope. So then I had to buy a 1,000 watt power supply. But I learned something interesting. I thought, oh, I'll take the old power, unplug everything, take the old power supply out, plug everything back in, turn it on, nothing. What? It's exactly same connectors, same cables, same... Try it on and off, different things. Nope. All right. Well, let's try just the motherboard cable. Nope, doesn't start. All right, let's get the motherboard cable from the new power supply. Plug it in, turn it on. Oh, it comes on now. All right, turn it off. Plug in everything, turn it on. Nope, doesn't work still. Then worked out that the cable from the, the CPU connector from the motherboard that goes to the power supply needs to be the new one as well that came with the new power supply and suddenly everything works. Hmm. So cables are not cables, it seems. It's not exactly the same cables because the new power supply won't work with the old cables. The graphics card cables were fine, SATA and everything else. But um, the ones that are going from the power supply to both sides of the motherboard, you have to use the new ones or it just doesn't work. So there must be some signaling in there to say, hey, this is the new one. Different Only pin. work with this. That's, I mean, maybe that makes sense if they're thicker cables, you want better you know but yeah i don't know they seem to be exactly the same but mm, just okay. wouldn't wouldn't turn on or no power at all and i was like oh no don't tell me i'm going to send it back but uh, i was really good i got it from ple computers in melbourne and they overnighted the power supply so it was like 23 dollars from standard mail or 28 dollars for overnight so it was like five bucks and i ordered it yesterday afternoon this morning big dog yeah, i was gonna say it was what? stupid fast <laughs> yeah I can't get stuff across Brisbane that quick. Well, remember when I was talking about how I ordered something from Melbourne and then a week later ordered something from the UK, which came three weeks later, and then a week after that, the one from mm. Melbourne came. Yeah. <laughs> it was five weeks. 
Well, I sent, so, a ba- I sent a battery to a customer the other day. I sent it nearly three weeks ago. Yep. And he's only the other side of Toowoomba, so he's not that far away. You could have driven it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it got there, like, it got there like two days ago. Like it was nearly nearly three weeks to go, what eighty k's? Yeah. Like, and my main reason for this <clears> is get getting back into the Bitcoin mining. So I had the ten seventy Ti, which was doing okay, about thirty mega hashes a second, and now I've thrown in the thirty seventy to go with it, which also does uh, about sixty mega hashes per second. So mm. it's doing quite well, and then the. Um, the Bitcoin Ant Miner S9J is in the garage because it sounds like a jet taking off. <laughs> and you don't want that in the house. So uh, I ended up using the Ethernet over power plug, which I already had to get the internet into the garage instead of getting more stuff wired in because it doesn't need that much. And yeah, it goes all right. It choose what did I say? It was like 1400 watts 1400 of power watt, yeah. all day, whereas two graphics cards is like 300. <laughs> And mines three times as much, but yeah. you can't mine anything but really Bitcoin or any other SHA-256, which uh, at least your graphics card can do a variety of <clears throat> well, see different that, things. That's what happened. Like the ant, they as the difficulty increases, the ant miners get less effective. Yeah. So and Bitcoin, and why is it increasing? Because people are using ant miners. Well, it's it's becoming a legitimate currency. Um, Elon Musk is a big push behind that, but. Yep. Uh, a lot of people are starting to use it now. Like, actually, we got right a, now sixty-six thousand six hundred and seventy-two dollars for one Bitcoin. We, um, uh, I'm actually looking at an FPOS machine that takes all the different cryptocurrencies. Yeah, one of these days. Yeah, because we're looking at using it legitimately at work. It's starting to. I've actually been asked a couple of times if we take it, and yep. I'd be stupid not to. I mean. It, it makes the back end a little tricky because yep. it's not something you physically throw in the bank and it becomes an asset. Like, yeah. And how do you do tax time? Yeah. See, was it when when they paid you the value of the Bitcoin or tax a year later? Well, it depends on Bitcoin what Bitcoin could be higher or lower in value. See, it's like PayPal, the same thing. If yeah. you get a PayPal transaction and it sits in your PayPal account. Do you pay the tax while it's sitting in your PayPal account or do you only pay the tax once you transfer it from the PayPal account into your bank account? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. It's not an actual physical currency to work with, so you can't class it as an asset, really. No, it's virtual. You And it's one of those things. Do you hang on to it and hope it goes up in value or whilst it's still worth the same amount that you the product costs that you trans- paid for it, do you cash it back in and get your cash back difference in physical money? Like You do if you need the money right now, don't you? I need you to know. order some more batteries. Well, but if somebody orders, you know, like one of my customers, it was a $7,000 sale and he's like, well, I could pay you Bitcoin. I'm like, well, okay, cool, you could. My problem is, is if that Bitcoin that's worth $7,000 today is only worth $5,000 tomorrow. Yeah. You know, this is the problem I have that I'm still trying to wrap my head around with the stability of the coin. Like... Yeah, it's okay when you're trading for a service or something like that. You're not going to be that far out of pocket. But if you're trading for an actual product that's actually cost you money, yeah, this is where the issue comes about. So I've got to do a bit more. You look- can't operate at a loss. No. Um, so I've got to do a bit more looking into that and just see exactly what if there's like a a fallback in place so that if the coin drops, of you know, we've, there's like a 24 hour lag time or something between. The transaction and, you know, it's it's like the Australian dollar. Like, it's bad enough when we order stuff from overseas. We pay for it once and then yep. it hits the docks and then we have to pay an import duty. But we pay that yep. import duty based on the day it lands at the dock, not the day we paid for it. So if the, do- if the American dollar was... I remember once I got caught out, the American dollar when it was like 55 cents. I bought some stuff from the States. By the time it got here, it was back up to like 80 cents. Ugh. So I paid what had landed at the dock on the 80 cent rate even though I purchased it at the 55 cent rate yeah you know it's just it's stupid bit ridiculous but uh, makes things difficult yeah it's still I think a viable option but unfortunately for me I wanted to do this now because I had the solar on the house and I want to expand that soon and get a power wall too and And it's rained uh, it's going to rain for a couple of weeks now isn't it so I'm going to have not very much solar anyway so 
RIP my uh, future investment opportunities. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> For you, it is. <laughs> you didn't just buy a new graphics card and power supply and ant miner and. Can't help you with oh, all well. your problems. <laughs> At least we can we can uh, talk about my experience with a real ant miner instead of just hypothesizing about stuff we've seen on the internet. So well, we really hypothesize it's garbage. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting to set up. Though I checked that the guy had completely factory reset it but i did that myself again as well just in case you could just insert your own wallet somewhere and take five mm. percent of whatever i mine and i would not know about it because no. everything's in the hardware and the software and stuff so did you end up changing to um the the uh what's the name Nitash os yeah no not their os i'm still using the brains oh, okay. os but i just pointed at the nice hash servers because the brains os you do it through slash pool and it said you could do the smallest you could get paid out was when you hit 0.0001, I think, of a Bitcoin. Micro. Um, and they would, oh, 0.001 of a Bitcoin, but they would charge you 0.0001 to do that if you did it at that level. And it would take me seven months to make that much Bitcoin to be able to export. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, see, even, I went with the uh, nice hash, which just gives you payouts every four hours. Four well, yeah. hours, seven months. You yeah. know. <laughs> my, I average about ten dollars a day at the moment on my PC on my main PC. Um, my two work computers, being super high quality and super powerful work computers that they are, between yep. them, I think <laughs> I get about twenty five cents an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so uh, well, might as well while you got it there. Well, I mean, I'm, they're sitting there doing nothing. They might as well make 25 cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could still play my uh, 25 cents a day, seven I mean. days to die on my 3070 graphics card, so it's not a complete loss. Oh, yeah. Well, something like a graphics card, you know, it's always an investment anyway. Yeah. You know, so. 1070 Ti is getting a bit old tooth now anyway, so now I've got them both in there. And that's it for Aussie yep. Tech Crypto for this week. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We haven't done one of those shows in a couple of years. Uh, no, it's getting to the point where we could nearly, nearly think about doing them again. They're starting to become a thing again. Yeah, we'll, we'll just do it when they're riding the highs. We'll do a couple episodes, and then when it falls into nothingness again, we can skip them. Well, yeah, that's it. Who would want to listen to more of us, though? These people. <laughs> well, at least, uh, <laughs> as I said, those people. Maybe. And the, the, like, six people in chat at the moment as well, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. So, speaking of uh, people who want to listen, Patreon. That's a good segue, and, right? Uh, Kofi and um, PayPal and all the other things that do. I'll, do, I'll mention uh, Andrew G from PayPal because <coughs> I always forget. Coffee. And I, I call it Kofi, and I'll tell you why. Because I used to watch wrestling, and there's a guy in the WWE who spells his name like that, and he calls himself Kofi. So well, just because he doesn't know how to pronounce words, it's going to be called Kofi. And it was, well, it's not coffee because it's not spelled right. Um, I get ads now for some <laughs> other service called like buyacoffee.com, which is supposed to be exactly the same thing, but they spelled it with all the full words. But now it's too long. Yeah, that's it. Um, so we've got Kate and Mansing our skull and Daniel and Amanda. We've got David Bird and Chris. Uh, and we have several anonymous anon, anon, anonymouses. Um, we have a couple of PayPal's, Andrew, as I mentioned, and a couple others. Um, need to let you guys know, for whatever reason, can you... The new Patreon-only show was released on the weekend. Uh, I'm not sure that the emails um, actually... Uh, went through for that so if you're listening to this and you're also a patreon or one of the other guys who get the uh payment only one can you let us know if you received the mail out message for that because if not i'm going to need to figure out why um i'll have to subscribe and donate like five bucks a month to blend just so <laughs> i can see if i get the email that's it exactly um then you can buy a new potato uh yeah, Slight, a bit more like a you know, slightly slightly less outdated potato. 
Um, you can give him your 1070 or whatever it was that he can have. Red chips. <laughs> <laughs> give him his old systems. Um, but yeah, so if you guys could just do that for us, that'd be great because for yeah, whatever reason, it doesn't look like you got notifications on that. Whether you've all got turned off, which would be highly unusual for everybody to have notifications turned off. I get some people might, but not everyone. Maybe they just got turned off watching the show. I mean, I know I do. <laughs> what can I say? And yet you still come back for punishment <laughs> week after week because that's how dedicated you are. You know, I have to watch the show like five times, right? Because I've got to watch it to make sure it's recorded properly. And then I've got to edit it. Then I'm going to rip the audio. Then I'm going to listen to the audio to make sure the audio went through properly. And then I've got to patch the video and make sure it's right and encoded correctly. Then I've got to watch it again to make sure it's right. Then I upload it. And after it's uploaded, I've got to watch it again to make sure it's uploaded properly. So I've got to watch this episode like five times <laughs> before and then you Then you don't want to hear from me for a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thanks for that, guys. It helps out. Um, uh, Patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads. Um, uh, KO.fi something. KO slash FI dot. What is it? Backslash, control, alt, delete. Yep, that's it. Do that exactly. If that doesn't work, hit the reset <laughs> button. Um, then call Bill Gates. <laughs> complain. He's handing out free microchips, I hear. Complain, yeah. You just got to just stick your tongue out at him. Uh. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, thanks for your support, guys. It makes a big difference. Um, if anybody would like to support us, you do now get an exclusive uh, Patreon-only show. Uh, once a month at this stage and it's still being played with so it's around 15 minutes it's going to change formats probably a little bit uh, based I've, on feedback I've, which you're going to provide right you, you guys well it's for you guys so if you want the show the way you want it let us know and we can change it um, and uh, there are going to be some more incentives coming up in the next few months we're going to start giving out prizes we're going to start giving out we're going to have some merchandise available so there's going to be all sorts of cool stuff coming up so keep an eye out for that also, for the people wondering, yes, there will be an RSS feed on the private feed from the private show. Um, it's really, really convoluted for me to wrap my head around to make it function. It'll be easy enough for you guys to get it, so don't worry about that. Just the actual setup and the processing of it is really painful because it can't be a public feed, but it has to be publicly accessible so you can get it. <laughs> so, yeah, so best of both worlds there. Um, but no, thanks. Luck, uh, it, it makes a big difference. It helps us out. Um, the money does go towards um, hosting the shows, running the shows, buying software and, and stuff like that's required. New potatoes for Glenn. Um, feeding Glenn potatoes. Wait, what? Yeah. Is he eating the potatoes? <laughs> well, there's that's the problem. problem. <laughs> uh, Glenn, stop eating the potatoes. They are not actually potatoes. That's right. <laughs> do we do some news? No. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I got a couple on Aussie broadband. Aussie broadband's mm. growth in residential broadband is coming largely from NBN users disenfranchised with their existing provider and looking to make a switch. Managing Director Philip Britt told the company's inaugural half-year results briefing on Wednesday afternoon that almost three-quarters of sign-ups are existing NBN users. Whilst the NBN main rollout is now complete, ultimately we're seeing over 70% of our orders coming from people that are switching from other providers. There are people, these are people who are already connected to the NBN that are disenfranchised with their current provider for whatever reason. And so we're seeing, still seeing strong connection orders even right through January and now of customers that are switching providers. The churn to Aussie Broadband isn't likely to be a surprise insofar as the company was one of the first retail service providers to prioritize factors like user experience and service quality over price. Early competition on the NBN was once characterized as a land grab by former NBN co-boss Bill Morrow, where he accused RSPs of sacrificing service quality to compete on price and sign up as many users as possible. As the NBN retail market matured, so did the spectrum of offerings, and Aussie Broadband was able to emerge and grow by marketing higher quality as well as higher speed plans. Like those of us who can get a gigabit, right? don't know what you're talking about. You're talking some strange language that I don't understand. <laughs> we need an interpreter. <laughs> Aussie Broadband will now also offer 4G failover for NBN as potentially cellular fixed wireless. Aussie Broadband is set to revamp its mobile services and expand into offering cellular fixed wireless after switching its mobile virtual network operator allegiance from Telstra to Optus. The company announced the change as part of its half-year results, saying it had signed a new MNBO agreement with Optus Wholesale in December last year. 
an accompanying slide deck. Aussie Broadband said the Optus agreement will replace the existing MNVO, MVNO agreement for access to the Telstra network. Aussie Broadband said it plans to move its existing 19,000 mobile customers off the Telstra network and onto Optus. However, it's in the reach and flexibility of the new agreement that is most attractive to Aussie Broadband. The new agreement includes access to the Optus 4G and 5G networks to provide voice, mobile data and fixed wireless broadband using the full Optus mobile network footprint, rather than only a subset of Telstra's 3G and 4G networks as it presently has access to. Aussie Broadband also said the Optus MVNO agreement is flexible with the ability for Aussie to create new plans without the need for wholesaler involvement. In addition to revamp mobile plans due out in the fourth quarter of FY21, Aussie Broadband said it would also now offer 4G failover for both residential and business NBN customers. And why so much talk about Aussie Broadband? Because we loves it. Because they are awesome, even if I did yep. lose the interview I did with them. Um... Uh, we won't mention that. Didn't happen, right? Uh, so I want to get another interview. I'm just not game to ask them. <laughs> Imagine what happens if I lost the footage again. That'd be the end of it. That was the last time my computer worked. Like <clears throat> flawlessly for years, podcasting. Yep. The one time I line up an actual really cool interview with like the managing director and the PR of Aussie Broadband, and it gets halfway through, crashes, explodes, catches on fire, and burns the house down. Well, not quite, but it felt like it. Yeah. It just locked up and that was it. It was dead. Never never to power on again. No recording. Then you found that faulty USB device. Which, yeah, I think caused the problem, yeah. No, a USB um, mixer. Yeah. Um, decided to send 240 volts back through the USB port. That's never a good thing, is it? No, they don't like it too much. Especially when you're in the middle of an interview. <laughs> like I didn't touch it. Turns out the case is actually live. Oh. I, um... Was mucking around with it the other day, seeing if I could bring it back to life, and I actually just touched the case and it belted me. Oh, nice! <laughs> so that's fun. That's a, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Chuck it in the garbage pile with your Bitcoin drive. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> so no, but it's good, Aussie broadband. I was waiting for them to bring out mobile plans and stuff. So, yeah. um. I'm going to stick with Vodafone only because of the stupid, insane plan that I'm on with Vodafone. Which got even Um, stupider and uh, insaner It's ridiculous. If it wasn't for that, I would switch in a heartbeat to to Aussie. Um, I love the fact they're doing the fallback deal too. Yeah. Because Telstra started doing that a while ago, then they kind of pulled the pin on it. Oh, okay. And Aussie also used to be able to get share your data... On other sims, you could just buy a sim and share it from the same data you already had, and they can mm. that. Yep. Um, I know Aussie Broadband's always done to some degree of fallback. We had problems with our uh, NBN at one point, and they sent us a dongle. Said, "Here, look, use this whenever your NBN goes down to switch over and use this dongle." And yep. we did that for a couple months um, until they NBN got out and actually fixed the problem. Um, but. Uh, <coughs> You know, it's perfect timing too because people who are looking for high speed plans are going to go this way now with all the new stuff coming out. Um, yeah, they're looking mm-hmm. around for some bizarre reason. I don't know why. Aussie Broadband seems to not have an issue, well, not have issues that most other companies have. And I, I get because they're a smaller company, they they prioritize Different customer class. service and stuff like that. But in terms of hitting bandwidth caps and speed caps and overcrowding and overpopulation and all this stuff. They don't have it. They don't have that problem. And you would think being a smaller company, that would actually be a bigger problem. Yeah. But they always <laughs> seem to they always seem to stay ahead of the, the amount they need. And it's I think it's brilliant that they can do that. Yeah. So, in the fact, they're starting to roll out their own uh, optic fiber in places as well, which is pretty neat. Yeah, through the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of yeah. They've got like a dozen different places they're doing it through. Yep. Um, so they're creating their own network, and it's going to get to the point where they're just going to tell NBN to go jump anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they're smart, they jump on the bandwidth and get a hold of. Um, they're the, the new II net, right? It used to do all of that in the ADSL days. We need to they, install something. Telstra, can you do it? Yeah, one day, or we don't have capacity. All right, we'll <laughs> install our own DSLAM. Hmm. Problem solved. 
And then they got bought out by someone. They said they merged with TPG. They didn't say they got bored. <laughs> they merged. They all the they merged with the bad part of TPG, <laughs> <laughs> which is all of it. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, and I think you know, there's a, there's an opportunity here for um, Aussie Broadband really if, to get on board with uh, the Starlink Elon's mob yeah. and go, hey, look, I, I get it, you guys want to run it, but can we? piggyback or fall back to you guys if we can't service a customer can we have you know can we say well look we can't do the nbn here but we can organize a satellite install yeah and use and use starlink rather than the um than the the existing couple of satellites that are overcrowded already so why not i think it'd be cool um okay what else have i got so singtail breach Compromises data's customers and f- not only customers but also employees' data. Oh. Uh, data of 129,000 customers, including uh, employees' birth dates, mobile numbers, financial details, addresses, and other personal data has been leaked in a security beach involved. A security beach? beach. They went to a secure beach. <clears throat> uh, Third party file sharing system. They've confirmed that. Uh, Credit card details, etc. Um, corporate credit card details as well, <laughs> not just personal, but corporate stuff. So, like yeah. unlimited, like you know, Amex cards and stuff like that have been leaked. Um, the affected the file sharing system called FTA, which was developed two decades ago by Asalon. Um, they said they had used the software internally and within ex- with external stakeholders. Following investigation, Telco said compromised personal data um, had, including physical addresses, had been breached. Bank account details of 28 former staff, credit card details of 45 employees, corporate data, um, and all their information for their. Um, wow, I'm paraphrasing here, and I can't think of the word. The they use um, well, VoIP phones effectively, internet phones and all their uh, internal linking numbers for all the phones. So they've got control over that, and they could basically reroute the phone's incoming oh, calls geez. to wherever they wanted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're saying that um, a lot. there was a lot more data leaked. Most of it was non-sensitive, except for all the stuff that was. Um, it said it began notifying, notifying affected individuals and enterprises about the breach and was offering help to mitigate potential risks um, and stuff like that. But yeah, so basically the the program they were using um, through this, F, whatever it was called, this FTA, uh, apparently is like an ancient program that hasn't been updated in like 20 years. Wow. And they're using it as file sharing both internally and with their external clients and customers and stuff. No wonder it got done. Um, and they're like, we don't understand why. We've been using it forever. We've never had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's a, a FTA system is a legacy large file transfer um, software. And we uh, now admit that it's nearing the end of its life cycle. You think. <laughs> I worked for a company once, a cell phone company, and they wanted to transfer large files all around, and they said, we got a quote for about 10 grand, so Jason, you're writing it instead. <laughs> so I wrote it in Perl and did the same thing. Laplink. <laughs> uh, what was that one? PC Anywhere, that's it. It was huge for a few years. Ah. PC Anywhere. Is that, um... Dial-up. or something? No, um, Norton, yeah. Novell. Was it Novell or Norton? It was a yellow box. Start with the N. Yeah. And yeah, you, it was a client-to-client dial-up screen share software file transfer thing. But if you dialed up into the server, then you had access to the entire network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a whole you hack. see anywhere by Symantec? Symantec. Wow, wow. And here's a big yellow box. Yeah. And they didn't have a free helpline. You could call their helpline for assistance, and it was like $20 a minute. And they, you had to give them the credit card details before. <laughs> <It's> like, 
Well, if you wrote the software to work properly, I wouldn't need to ask for assistance. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so. Keep on the uh, cell carriers. Telstra said it's blocking up to half a million scam calls on its busiest days using a new automated platform. Part of a double down on a broader crackdown effort against scams that transit across its network infrastructure. CEO Andrew Penn said in a blog post that the telco previously blocked around a million calls a month using manual processes. While volumes of scam calls fluctuated day to day, he said the numbers were generally increasing. We're sometimes blocking up to 500,000 calls a day before they can potentially defraud our customers, which is a huge increase from the 1 million plus scam calls we were blocking on average per month previously. This is why we're announcing today we're doubling down on efforts to address scam calls and are now blocking around 6.5 million suspected scam calls a month on average from reaching end customers. I said the telco is doubling down on initiative calls cleaner pipes. Usually happens uh, when you double down. <laughs> I know my pipes are clean after a good Did, double down. Didn't you have a video about that be- <laughs> before the show? Yeah, I think it was the same video, yeah. Which it launched last <laughs> May. The scam call blocking platform is considered a third element of cleaner pipes. <laughs> Earlier elements focused on recognizing phishing, smishing, and other text-based scams. Beg your so the automatic blocking of scam calls is no mean feat. Our networks team has built a smart platform that enables us to monitor inbound calls through our network that have suspicious characteristics and block them before they can ever reach our customers. Yeah, except they block wanted calls. I had one that come up. I was expecting it from this from someone. Yep. I don't know if I can see it quickly, but it flagged it as spam, so I didn't answer it. And then I rang these guys and I like, would try to call you, but you didn't answer. I'm like, hey, is this your number? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, that's coming up on my phone as spam. Yeah, I've got an automated system from uh, Samsung that's built into my phone, and anytime I get third-party calls. On behalf of Telstra, it comes up as potential fraud. Oh, that's understandable. But this is <laughs> yes, like a well. this is like a legitimate, you know, like legitimate business who don't do spam calling and stuff. They just they I had already rung them, so their number was in my phone. Yeah, I'd previously someone's called recorded them. them as spam using the software. And yeah, but you would think that if it's in my phone already, my phone's aware of it, that it wouldn't say it's spam because it's like I yes, have already no. called this number. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's um, and the worst part is it's they're so like so many times you answer the phone and there's nothing for like ten seconds before an automated voice kicks in, and you're like, how obvious is it that this is fake? Like nothing about this is how human to human interaction occurs. I had one today. <laughs> I had one uh, last week. It had plus six four, so it looked as though it was coming from New Zealand. And then the week before was another one. Hello, this is the Australian Taxation Office in regards to fraud. Please stay on the line while you be investigated for fraud. <laughs> like, hang up. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's the same as in the UK. You can't even blow a whistle in their ear because it's automated computer. That's probably why. Wait till someone picks up. That's probably why they do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like in the UK. They, they miss all the swearing and <laughs> colourful words that happen. In the UK at the moment, there's a thing because um, you've got to pay for your TV licences to watch, you know, watch what we call free-to-air TV. Uh, they you have a TV licence to watch that sort of thing, and obviously more and more people are not requiring a TV licence because they don't have TVs, and you don't need. If my understanding is, you don't need a licence. Unless you're watching a live broadcast. So if you watch uh, BBC Online and you're watching a live broadcast, then yes, you still need to have a license. But if you're watching pre-recorded stuff and watching it at a later date, you're not required to have a license. So the TV's licensing board, which is a completely independent thing of the government and a private organisation that has no power over anybody anyway, yep. is basically sending out just thousands and thousands and thousands of bulk letters saying, you're currently under investigation for... An invalid TV license. I'm just hoping that but, somebody will pay because they don't know any better. But it and starts it often off, works. But it starts off saying, "Dear home, oh dear, um, uh, occupier, we are currently investigating you for blah blah." And you're like, "Well, you're not doing a very good job if you can't even find my name." You yeah. know, like <laughs> right from the get go, you know it's you know you, it's just everything about. It. There's actually a guy on YouTube. I can't even name him, but I watch him. Um, he's a lawyer. Uh, 
and but he's been dealing with them for years on and off and he tells you all these different ways to handle them but he said like they'll almost never especially at the moment they'll almost never come to your house but if they do come to your house you don't need to open your door <laughs> they get paid per person they convince to buy the TV license yeah, yeah. And if you don't open your door, they don't get paid. And after a while, they won't have a job because they're not getting paid. So, so just don't open your door and you don't have a problem. <laughs> it's problem solved. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> oh, this cough will not go away. I've had it for like two weeks. Jeez. At least I didn't lose my voice this week. What? <laughs> not like last week. <laughs> uh, so... There's a new uh, bill that's been released both, and actually a few places have released it, Australia's released it, uh, America's released it, and what it basically means is that um, if you have a product... you the um, zoom in on the will picture for your rant of the week? <laughs> no, no, this isn't, well, it's not really, a little bit, but <laughs> 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 what it basically means is that now uh, if I buy a product... I have the right to ring that company who supplied the product and say, hey, this is broken. It's a month out of warranty. I get that. But now you're required to supply me with the schematics and the replacement component that I need to replace it. I'm obviously, I need to pay for it. I need to pay for the repair. I need to pay for the parts. I need to, but you're required by law to supply that to me. <coughs> Apple is obviously the biggest pushback against this because Apple refuses to have any of their products serviced at all. They hate it. They think it's the worst thing in the world. The worst thing you possibly do. Tesla's probably second on that list. Tesla's, they're just known for not even talking to people who own the second in Tesla. Oh. Um, and um, a lot of other people are jumping on that bandwagon. But now there's a few of them getting together and Toyota's one, which surprised me because Toyota's always been really good about right to repair. They've, Always sold aftermarket part or to, you know parts to second for second end vehicles and stuff like that, but um, they're basically saying now the Australian arm of the Japanese car manufacturer um, Toyota is standing. Um, it does not believe of the. It doesn't believe the automotive industry should be part of the right to repair section. Because they're saying that somebody can buy a car that's been in an accident and then they'll be able to repair them themselves, but it could be a substandard repair. And then that would, you know, if the vehicle then plays up, um, it's going to give Toyota a bad name because that car's not a good car. And this is what Tesla's been saying all along. Look, due to the high voltages and due to the things that are non-user serviceable, we shouldn't supply components. But Tesla takes it extreme. They won't even supply like... You know, things that are consumable products, like, you know, especially in the States where they run into mooses and stuff all the time. They won't even, re like, replacement headlights or replacement wiper blades and things that are a what should be considered a consumable item. Yeah. And Toyota's now starting to do the same thing. They're like, why should we supply this stuff? Um, <clears throat> so, basically, there's a whole heap of got together and they're all starting to appeal the right to repair bill. Um, saying that we don't think it's feasible, we don't think you should do it. Um, so yeah, not real happy with that at the moment. Uh, but yeah. look, the right to repair is something that everybody. It should be your choice if you've got an iPhone. An iPhone is a classic example because they've been doing it for years with Apple products. You got a three-year-old Apple product and it's a new battery. Even if you go to a um, a certified Apple dealer. There's no guarantee that they can purchase a battery for that phone because mm. it comes down to Apple whether or not they want to do it, which is a load of garbage because as far as I'm concerned, I've paid for that product. I own the physical device. You might own the software on it. It's up to you if you want to update it and whatever. That's because it's your software. But I own the physical device. I want to continue to use that physical device. So, you know, I need to be able to repair it. And to be able to repair it, I've got to get the product. And if you refuse third parties to manufacture your components, then you have to. Yeah. You can't not allow anybody else to make it and not make it yourself and then complain when people breach no, your licensing agreement. Buy a new iPhone <clears throat> every couple of years. Let's well, fill up the landfill. To give you an example, what, what Apple were doing was they were... So, 
a couple of years ago, back when the iPads were hitting three, four, five years old, and the battery was starting to fail. They, <clears throat> Apple didn't have any more batteries. They, they weren't releasing batteries for it. And people just forked out two grand or whatever the iPads were worth at the time they come out. And they're like, well, we want to put new batteries in them. And then Apple's like, well, no, we're not, we don't do that. It's not, not something we do. We don't, we're not providing them for them. So a Chinese manufacturer got the specs of the batteries and they started manufacturing aftermarket batteries. Ah. So then Apple went, well, no, you can't do that. You're, break, you're breaking our, our um, trademark or our intellectual property rights or whatever it was. You know, they cracked down and said, you can't, you can't make those. And the court of law, the court said, well, no, you can because you're not making them. Therefore, your right to complain about somebody else making them is, is null and void because you're not manufacturing the product. It's not like it's competition. So then Apple started manufacturing them just so that nobody else could. They didn't manufacture them to sell them. They literally manufactured them to either destroy them or store them so that nobody else could manufacture them without yeah. breaching copyright. <laughs> <laughs> so this rightly repair bill there's one I know there's one going ahead in the in the states at the moment there's one going ahead in Australia at the moment I believe there's one going ahead in the UK I may not be 100% on that but they are an incredibly important bill and they need to be passed because you know it's something that needs to be enforced you need to force manufacturers of products to supply either supply components till end of life on on things or if they're not going to do it they need to be not allowed to stop somebody else from doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's basically what com- what it comes down to. Don't define end of life as two years, got to buy a new one. Or if you are going to define end of life as two years, then you need to be upfront about it to start with. But yeah. besides that, if you've said this product's got a two-year life, then that means at the end of two years, you can no longer complain when third parties manufacture components for your product because you're not... Mm. So uh, you can't you can have one or the other. Can't have, have it both, both ways. dear, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. YouTube outlined a string of new features coming in the internet's biggest <coughs> video platform, including enhancements to YouTube TV, and the rollout next month of the U- in the US of YouTube Shorts. It's a tool for creating short-form vertical videos, a la TikTok. YouTube TV, Google's pay TV service, will introduce an add-on option that will let subscribers watch shows in 4K, stream programming to an unlimited number of devices at home, and download content for offline viewing. Sounds like they got some ideas from Netflix. (laughs) I was going to say, it's not original ideas, but they got ideas. They're as original as Facebook with ideas, aren't they? (laughs) Other features on YouTube's roadmap Hey, Instagram was their idea, remember? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Google+. (laughs) <laughs> Other features on YouTube's roadmap include the expansion of new e-commerce feature to allow viewers to buy products directly from creators' channels, a way to let fans purchase applause for their favourite channels. That's Twitch, right? Pretty much. Automatically adding video chapters to relevant videos that don't have creator-uploaded chapters and more personalised mixes on YouTube music. A new YouTube TV add-on package will let you viewers watch available shows in 4K or download them to DVR to watch later offline. In addition, the premium option will add unlimited concurrent streams at home versus a maximum of three for the stand subscription. So the whole family can enjoy YouTube TV on different screens at once. Yay. Netflix. You- <laughs> YouTube didn't disclose when the add-on package will be available or how much it will cost. Netflix. Another front, YouTube Shorts will launch in the US in March. Yeah. The video tool mimics popular social video app TikTok, letting users record, edit, and share clips up to 60 seconds in length. YouTube Shorts first launched last fall in India, where TikTok is currently banned amid a wider dispute between the country and China. According to them, since the beginning of December 2020, the number of Indian creators using Shorts has more than tripled, and the YouTube Shorts player is now generating more than 3.5 daily 3.5 daily views. <laughs> 3.5 that's what billion. It, that's what we get, not what they get. <laughs> daily views globally. Uh, so I don't think I'll be going for a YouTube short mm. or paying them for videos. I hate watching their intrusive two to four ads in a row. Well, this is what I'm not of, giving them money. This is what a lot of people don't understand. 
uh, a lot of the time those ads you see in the middle aren't creator ads. They're YouTube ads. YouTube gets the revenue for those. The creator doesn't see the profits of those. Yeah. You know, and this is what's annoying them. It's like, well, if you want to run ads on my videos, then okay, fine. But you've got to give me something for it. So there's actually a lot of creators starting to leave YouTube now. They're going to some other places. So we'll see who wins out in that battle. But YouTube's not in everybody's good graces at the moment. So, um, so wait for Aussie Tech Heads YouTube Shorts. (laughs) One minute they (laughs) update. Could we do a one-minute show? We could barely do a sixty-minute show. Our intro is forty-five seconds. We couldn't do a one-minute show. <laughs> Even our roundups fifteen minutes. And whenever we say, "Oh, there's no news this week," so we don't know what we talk about, and then an hour and a half later, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah, good idea. Mm. The, uh, I was just reading one of the news headlines that the Australian um, military, Australian Navy in Timor, has just been. Fired upon. Oh, mm, they're thinking it was China, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see who they blame for that one. <clears throat> um. So, just quickly, <laughs> did you you know how the, how the Victoria was just in lockdown again? For those who are not aware, um, but this time they blamed it on a hotspot outbreak of two people, um, at a restaurant that hasn't been open for over ten months. Oh wow! Yeah, the address Someone's they doing a good job there. The address they gave was uh, this place here, um, and as you said, Felice. Um, how did this place infect two people when it's Felice since December? <laughs> In fact, you call them; they'll tell you it's been closed for ten months. So yeah, so good job, Andrew. Is there you? You're on the ball with that one. Um, they say they're going to look to New South Wales <coughs> for future ideas now and copy them. Well, they can't do anything in themselves original, so they might as well copy someone else. Um, I was going to say, and also the all right, the elephant in the room. <laughs> um, I'm on a diet. I'm not going to rant too much about it because it, basically it's an I told you so because we did say months ago this was going to happen. Facebook, Twitter, uh, you, um. Google, uh, Instagram, uh, who else has done it? A few others are involved in this at the moment. People are wondering about Reddit too. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, there's a lot of places that this is going to affect. But Facebook pulled the pin before anybody else. And as of today, they blocked um, news linking effectively. They also and weather and politician websites. <laughs> and They may have had a bit of overreach. Um, just like the Hobart Women's Shelter and um, the Beer Council and (laughs) so they may have accidentally gone a little far with some of their um, block the beer (laughs) no bring back the beer Um, Maruchi to a bike park (laughs) so yeah but basically they said if the Australian government goes ahead with this dumbass idea that they had and thinking they're better than everybody else, we're just not going to take our service there. You're such a small number of people, we don't care. Yep. And it's true, we're like 1% of their user base or something. Like, we, it's easier for them just to not service this place than to implement all these stupid guidelines and regulations. Yep. Uh, in the interim, Google and Twitter and a couple others have some half-assed patched together dodgy agreement that probably won't see the light of day at this stage we'll see what happens most likely they'll realistically they'll just look at it and go oh, that's easy to do let's just do that and they'll pull out as well yep. um but the agreement they've reached so far <clears throat> has only been with the major networks so all the independents are still being screwed over but here's the thing of it right when Pete Evans got banned and Facebook banned Pete Evans a day or two ago, the media said, hey, this is great. You guys are censoring stuff. About time you're doing that. And now Facebook pulls the media. And the media's like, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. We, we're the media. You can't block us. That's like, literally exactly the same thing you praised them for doing two days ago. You're now complaining. And the government's come out and it's like, um, oh, I've got quotes here if I can be bothered reading them. But the government's basically come out and said, look, um, 
you can't do that. We just wanted you to pay us money. We didn't want you to leave. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, we told you specifically that we're not paying you money because you're dumbasses and we're going to leave. Didn't you say the options that they gave were pay or leave and still pay? Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. And uh, and you know that's the thing. They're like, well, if you're gonna not just not, if you if you're gonna block our stories completely, then you got to pay for it. And you're like, <laughs> no. If we're gonna block your stories completely, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and all of your <laughs> citizens are gonna pay for it. Yeah, look, way. I think I think it's the best thing in the world they could have done. Um, the Australian game is too big for its boots. It's it's pushed. The, it's bad enough that like even stupid stuff like they they expect other countries to fill out GST forms when somebody purchases something from Australia now. Yeah. So the government can get their share. I wonder who of... all these benefits. Um, there must be somebody who's going to benefit if a government is getting involved in this sort of thing. Right, you mean like Murdoch or um, Mr. Burns? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's his name? The other one. I can't think of his name now. Montgomery. <laughs> Not actually Mr. Burns. <laughs> the guy, Rothschild. <clears throat> they, I mean, they're effectively put, pushing the buttons for everything, but... Yeah, look... Uh, and Packer. But the dumb, the dumb part of this is that now, like... Yeah, they've gone from complaining that Facebook wasn't doing enough to block, you know, all this stuff, and then Facebook blocked everything. Now they're saying, oh, you can't do that. And it's like, well, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You know, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, it'll. You just want money. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't have a problem. I use websites like mines.com and stuff anyway where this isn't an issue because they're not a centralized service. So they don't have this problem. They can just show any links they want. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I was reading some posts from somebody I follow on Facebook who they're a lawyer and they're like, Facebook has no right to this. And I'm like, no, they do. They they have the Are right to do this. Company? They're a private company that... Owns that, their own platform that isn't the whole internet. So it's not like you can't get the news ever. If you're telling me that the Australian government has the power to block specific websites such as Pirate Bay... Then, as far as I'm concerned, specific websites have the power to block the government. Yeah, <laughs> it's, goes both ways, man. You, you can't you can't expect everybody to bend to your will and then complain. Everybody when they wants don't. to be all powerful. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spend too long on mainly because we've already been going for like, you know an hour. But um, it's just so frustrating that three or four days ago, I started putting up on my Facebook page and started posting that this was going to happen. And that, you know, don't be surprised when you can't access your, your favorite news sites anymore and you can't search for stuff. And everyone's like, no, don't be stupid. It'll never happen. And then, like, it happened. And then these same people who said, oh, it's a, you know, don't be stupid. It'll never happen. They're like, oh, it's such a bad idea. Who would do it? I'm like, do you not understand that it doesn't matter what you say? <laughs> You don't have to like it. No matter what you think of it. You know, the fact of the matter is that they were forewarned months ago that this would be the outcome. The government refused to believe that how dare a small, insignificant little company stand up to us. All Facebook's bluff and what happened? I think Facebook has more employees than Australian has citizens. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it. You know, it's just so dumb. Everything about it is dumb. But yes, look, they did inadvertently have some issues with other sites um a lot of them have been restored i don't know if all i know a few of them have but the bomb theology got their page back yeah the bomb site got taken down a bit um for quite a while and that that got done um there was what was that site you were showing before (laughs) i don't know if that was real or fake but it was hilarious uh what was it the um uh, I can't think what there's the... a comment from ABC News Brisbane about another replying. newspaper. Was it? Yeah, it's like bomb or someone's like we got our page back. Yeah, and ABC Brisbane's like you guys got Facebook back. You guys can <laughs> post. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Um, but it's apparently that was um, the the pages had themselves tagged as media. Yeah. 
Uh, and apparently a lot of that, if you had more than X amount of followers and you're tagged as a media page, you're automatically part of that that cull. Um, yeah. But apparently a, a quick menu review solves the problem for most of them. So we'll see what happens there. But what, uh, What's happening with your words? Uh, what do you mean what's happening with my words? They go and then they're like, and then slow and then uh, Yeah, the... The high quality programs that were written, um, not coping buffer. Uh, they run out. <laughs> they, the longer they run for, the the yeah, they tend to run out of their own memory after a while. So, like, if I close them and reopen them, they'll run at full speed again. Like, yeah, uh, it's just I don't know. Whatever. Well, everybody, I think, should use a password manager. They're free and easy to use for the most part. But if you use LastPass. Their free tier will become a lot less useful next month. Mobile users will be limited to iOS and Android phones, iPads, Android, Android tablets, and smartwatches. Computer subscribers will be able to use their passwords from Windows, Mac OS, and Linux desktop and laptops, the LastPass browser extension, and Windows tablets. Users on LastPass's free tier will be asked to pick between the two options for the first time they log in after March 16th, and the company said they'll be able to switch between categories up to three times after they're picked. Although customers are restricted to a single category of devices on the free tier, they'll still be able to view and manage passwords on an unlimited number of devices within either mobile or computer category. LastPass says no users will be locked out of their accounts or lose access to their passwords as a result of changes. As well as restricting its device types, LastPass is also changing the kinds of customer support free tier users will be able to access. From May 14th, free users will lose access to email support, the company announced. Well, I switched over to Bitwarden because I was having a lot of trouble with FastPass on certain apps on the <coughs> Android phone, and it's fantastic, and it was free. And you can pay for them if you want and get other things if you want to support them, which is a fantastic idea because they do a great job. And you synchronize across all the devices and never have any problem with it. Do you use any uh, password managers? Chrome. Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, 99% of my stuff's in Chrome just because I've been using it for so many years. Um, is it the best? No. Not even close. Is it secure? No. Not even close. But it means I log into my Chrome browser and I've got everything there, you know. Um, synchronize. I I probably will change to probably I don't know Firefox or Opera or Brave most likely. I, I like don't... the Bitwarden stuff because even if I open an app like the yeah. Facebook app, it'll automatically pop up and you can fill that out. That's right. That's what I was going to say. The one advantage to using something like that is it's not just browser specific. Um, I actually should look into it. There probably is a way to export from Chrome into one of those apps. Hmm. Um, That's what I did when I went from LastPass to Bitwarden. They had to export data and yeah. import, and that was it. Because it's... That's sort of the only thing that's stopping me from doing it at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I probably should, really, because it's... It, I don't know. I, I have to mention, too, Brave reminds me. Um, I was using that the other day. I was using their... Um, built-in uh, VPN that they have. The one thing I couldn't figure out to do, which I can do in in uh, Opera very easy, is change the location of the VPN. Oh, okay. They just pick one for you. I think they just pick one. At least a quick five-minute play with it. I couldn't figure out how to change it. It's easier with... with uh, Opera, it literally sits up the top and lets you change, it, change the one you want to use. There may be a way to do it, but without short of Googling it and figuring it out, uh, there's no easy way to swap VPNs and it put me in like um, Romania or something so everything was coming through in <laughs> in <laughs> Romanian haven't, haven't you learned other languages? <laughs> so it was kind of useless so i got to spend a bit more time with Brave and see um, what my options are there but yeah no, you could I, at I, least pick the language of the countries yeah, that's right I mean, you might end up with some pommy stuff. Yeah. Or some American type spelling and things. But at least it would be readable. Yeah. Um, somewhat. But yeah, no, I, I do need to um, look at getting a password manager. It's getting to that point now where I have so many different just 
random passwords on sites. There's a lot of sites now that you sign up to that you cannot, you either can't choose your own password, they give you one and that's what you're stuck with, or the password they ask you to choose is like 4,000 letters with 27 symbols, 18 characters (laughs) and 96 numbers. And you're like, that's not a password that I have in my repertoire. Would you like to hear the opposite of that? What's that? Uh, I won't mention which bank, but signing up recently to something for their internet banking, passwords are lowercase letters and numbers, six Hmm. only. Not five, not eight, not one, six. How easily... Can that be hacked very, very easily? A lot of them do it because of the limitations of the apps on the phones. Um, I know ING, there's two sections. Your primary section you log into is four digits, and yep. then that gets you into the main part. And if you want to do actual transfers and stuff, it's a six digit. Yep. Um, but that's because of the limitation of the way the apps are. They can't put, you know, like their website is different. Again, their website's a, a decent, you know, password. But the way the apps work is you can't, um, you can't. But what you can do is log into the website, and each one of those passwords has a privilege level yeah, against it. I... So you can change. You can drop if you wanted to. You could drop the privilege level right down. So the the worst thing that could happen is they could view your bank account. Um, yeah, balance. Yeah. You know. So, but no, it's actually quite common that a lot of the a lot of the banks have very unsecure settings. Um, it's not yet. Yeah, it, I had noticed that actually. <laughs> it's the same as uh, um, like Hum, like the credit card Hum, and the uh, some of the kind of what they're called now. Um, like my iCloud Solar one, my On Energy. Um, yeah. They all have two passwords they've got their website one which is really complex and then they've got the phone i think they work on the theory that the phone's linked to your account so unless somebody physically gets your phone they can't do anything they could install the app but unless they've got your phone they can't you know log in with your with the app anyway maybe this is the same if i log into the phone app it might send a text and say type in this number Oh, one thing I like, I don't know if you I don't know if the latest Samsung's have it. There's Yami. Um if I say go to PayPal and it sends me or uh ZipPay and it sends me an in store code, it sends me the text and then it pops up a message saying, Do you want to put these six digits into this field? Oh, and you just okay. click yes and it automatically copies them out of the text file and puts them into the Not that I've seen recently, uh, no. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You don't have to dig some, some apps are really clever. <laughs> They'll just wait and monitor your text messages. And when they see one that's come from one of the numbers they know, they automatically <laughs> type it in for you so you don't have to. Yeah. yeah it's getting pretty cool like that. So. Uh, my PayPal pops up a thing. It's got worse with the new, the latest um, Android R comes up with this tiny little oval thing at the top of the screen that you have to try and click on and my fat fingers miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so it slides off the screen. Then you have to try and slide, pull down from the top of the screen, click on there, and then it's got copy code, and then you paste it into... You click on the PayPal field, then you have to push your finger on for a second so it comes up paste and then hit paste and then go. And it's like, are <laughs> <coughs> you trying to make this harder for me or easier? I don't know. Probably less snoopable. Probably, Someone's yeah. sticking their head over your shoulder, you can't know. see it, but... It's well, well. Before we went live, we we're watching um, Aussie Maxone, and their tip was for screen capturing either that window or the whole page. I was unaware that iPhones have literally just implemented the feature to be able to capture a whole page. Ah, yeah. It's no only literally just been a screenshot. Yeah, Androids had that since like version one. <laughs> you go copy screen it says do you want to copy the screen or do you want to copy the whole page and you go screen or page like, it's not one's just got a little thing. scroll down button so you can just keep <clears> scrolling <throat> until you get the bits you want if you don't want some you only want the top half or something yeah you can just scroll scroll and then it'll capture that it changes depending on what i'm capturing how it does it but yep. yeah i'm like really this is a new thing on i suppose it did take
take them four and years to get copy, copy and paste. paste. So you can copy and paste on the iPhone now too. Yeah, it only took them four years to do that or something. <laughs> Wow. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Hedge Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other <clears throat> tiers. See the site for details. We have extra episodes of Aussie Tech Heads called Aussie Tech Roundup just for Patreons. So if you want to access those, you need to sign up. But if you're already a subscriber, you should receive an email when we upload them. If not, log on to Patreon and watch us and coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Stupid email us, Glenn, Will and Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows added each Friday. See you later. Bye. Bye.